So gun control, right? Is that what we're <laughs> Is that what we're doing today? No. I thought the show notes said gun control. I think you were reading something different. <laughs> I was reading I was reading anything else online today. The MSNBC podcast. <laughs> Literally every corner of the internet. Actually this morning I saw some pretty cute pictures of cats. So Did I don't you, know what you've been scrolling Well, that's because your homecage is cutecats.com. Yes, .org. Please actually. don't visit that website. I'm afraid now. Yeah. <laughs> that's something really <laughs> terrible. Uh, we should probably just start the podcast. And not talk about gun control. Good day, everybody. Welcome to One Hour a Week. A 30-minute podcast about life and ministry. I'm Rusty Mott. As always, here alongside my good friend, Brother Jared Hall. You're hey, how you doing? everybody. I'm good. So um, I'm tired today. How about you? Same. Been a long week. Yeah, I, I was thinking that when your text message woke me up at 637 this <laughs> did, morning. Did it wake you up? Yeah, I'm lazy, man. Oh. My wife's already up getting the kids ready, and I was husband of the year trying to catch a few Zs, and well, I was like, oh, gosh. And this new house we're living in, the kids' room is... Like it shares a door with our room. So when the kids are oh. up, I'm up. Well, let, let me put it this way. They get up at about six to start getting ready for school. And I usually stay in bed till about 6.45. But as they're walking the same out the way, door. Yeah, like, the, <laughs> yes, really, yeah. that's what happens. But there is not much sleep happening. I yep. kind of will doze a little bit and then wake up and be like, why don't I just get up? No, nah, I think I'll just not. Because the bed is comfortable. Look it, up is, the audience. Man. it is. Yeah, it's been a long week. Uh, Matthew, our associate pastor here at Cornerstone, and I went to Dallas for the Empower Evangelism Conference for the Southern Baptist of Texas. Do you was, feel empowered? I'm so empowered right now, yeah. uh, spiritually. You know, the flesh is weak, but my spirit, I've evangelized to 75 people already this morning. Uh, give me give me one nugget that you heard at this conference, one statement or one, oh, aha kind of moment. I thought you were asking for moment. my Chick-fil-A nuggets. I was no. like, no, nah, bro. One nugget. Yeah, one aha, or that was good. Give us give us one thing from the evangelism conference. Uh, this, is, this is random. I wish I'd have prepared and thought of something real good, powerful to share about evangelism. But one guy was talking about uh, using the station in life that you're in for the glory of God. And he said, and I'm, I messed this up trying to tell it to Brother Jimmy last night, but something along the lines of this, um, instead of waiting for your ship to come in, take the boat you've got. Oh, that's good. That's it, a good yeah, line. It was, it was a good line. He, uh, I think it's the same guy. I can't remember his name. Uh, an African American preacher from I think the Dallas area, but he um, used the little list of judges and got to Shamgar, who like killed six hundred people with the ox goad or whatever. Oh, okay, and and like in that description, the guy right before him had killed ten thousand people. So he basically. Uh, used the language of that to say in God's economy that he still saved Israel. He still hmm. was used by God to do incredible things. God's not all about that and use what you got instead of waiting for the next big thing. And, you know, I'll really do something awesome for God when I have this or that. He was like, man, use what God's given you right now and equipped you with right now to be about his business. So it was inspiring. It was, it was good. Lots of good personalities there. I, I got to hear somebody that I was excited to hear and, uh, I know talking with, uh, a, well, I'll just Jimmy, since he's like one of our three listeners, uh, he'll he'll hear his voice and be like, oh gosh, what's, him, what's he about to say? But he, he had never heard of Bob Goff. Have you yeah. heard of Bob yeah, Goff? Yeah, Love Does. So Bob Goff was there. Did he have balloons on stage? No, he didn't have balloons, oh. but it was it was incredible. He is, 
incredibly engaging and entertaining and thought provoking. I told effervescent. He's just he is. full of joy. He is. Jeremy Walton, another listener, yep. texted us <laughs> in the middle of it and texted me. Of course, I'm sitting by Matt and said, Bob Goff is Matthew in 30 years. <laughs> it is true. so true. That's Matt true. has that yeah. kind of personality. Uh, so that's a, co- I told Matt at first, he was like, oh no. And I was like, man, that's a compliment. Yeah. Take that. Everybody loves are, Bob Goff. You you really, Matt does have the personality. And He's I, got a new book coming out and the the Christian Twitter is all a buzz because Love Does was his yeah. only other book. And it's been Such a good five book. or six years now. Have you read Love Does? Oh yeah, yeah. Let me recommend it to you. I, I let Jimmy borrow it. So Jimmy, if you haven't started reading it yet, do it, man. It's it's not a theological powerhouse. No. It's not gonna. You're not gonna be able to preach a series from it, but it's just inspiring and enjoyable. Yeah. And it's a big old warm uh, hug. So he did. He did a great job of presenting. I, I told Jimmy his speaking. I don't know that I'd call it preaching. That yeah. might be offensive. So Bob, well, he's not you, a he's not a preacher. He'll tell you. He's yeah. Not if you stumble lawyer, across this, right? Bob, uh, I'm not bashing you, but his cadence is really like stand up comedy. Mm-hmm except it's spiritual nuggets instead of punchlines. And he's a big fella, too. Uh, yeah, he's, he's a large man. Yeah, and so he just kind of overwhelms the stage. Great guy. I was telling Brother Jimmy, everything he said had application and purpose behind it. So he drops like a line. The one I remember, I shared this yesterday, was, do you ever look down and realize you're one button off? And he's like, I call that Tuesday. And everyone's laughing. And he goes, but you know, I feel like the people I've learned the most about Jesus from always seem to be a button off. And you're like, oh, wait, right Yeah, you're just like, whoa. <laughs> and, and it literally is was like 40 minutes of one after the other mm-hmm. of little sayings like that. So it had the rhythm of a stand-up session, but it was just spiritual nuggets and applications. And he did reference scripture a lot. That's what Matthew said afterwards. Like, man, no doubt he, he used the Bible. It wasn't an expository sermon, but really good. So enjoyed Bob Goff a lot. Robbie Gallaty, I'm a big fan. If you've heard me talk about it here or on my other podcast or at church, discipleship's a huge thing for us here at Cornerstone. And Robbie Gallaty literally wrote two or three books about discipleship and the Disciple Study Bible. So we got to hear him. Just a really good time. So I enjoyed it, but I'm a homebody, man. You know that. I'm Welcome home. Glad to be home. Not even talking about home. I'm talking about right here with me yeah. on this podcast. Welcome home. No. <laughs> <laughs> okay, so we talked about uh, being a marriage two weeks ago, and I got uncomfortable. Uh-huh. Now again, just no, called this, this home has I'm, made it weird. No, I'm playing the long game. Week after week, I'm going to keep peppering these things in. We're going to get an apartment by the fall. <laughs> That's the goal. Oh gosh! All right. Well, there you go. All right. Oh, I'm supposed to be introing. Yes, yeah, I was okay. waiting for you to so, say. I don't. Why are we just? Wow. Hey, we're, both tired. we're on our game today. We're, we're on our game. It's we're eight. We're way. eight minutes in, and we've done so much good on this podcast. Well, we're going to edit out two minutes. Yeah, so. probably. At least, <laughs> maybe the whole thing. You want to just start over? It's just going to be the music. Take a the, week This off podcast this. is just. Hey, everybody! And it's over. No, uh, we wanted to talk for just a few minutes today, and we're not going to drag this thing out. We're not trying to. We're we're not experts or anything like that. But Jared and I both have an interesting background. In fact, Jared still, even as the associate pastor, leads worship at Pecan Acres. Uh, I lead worship occasionally here at Cornerstone, but before I came to Cornerstone, I was a full time worship pastor. That's what I did. So we both have some experience and we were just thinking about music and the preference driven worship and the uh, idea of who are we trying to reach is music the way we reach people. And then we kind of decided to broaden that topic out. And what we want to talk about is consumers versus worshipers. And what do you have in your church? Do you have people who are there just to consume a good product or people who are there to worship the Lord? And how do we as ministry leaders foster a church that is about worshiping the Lord instead of just 
gathering people to come and consume of our goods. So I had to say something about this from the stage last week and uh, just pastorally, because I'm not, you know, I don't just stand up and go, hey, let's sing. I am, you know, viewed as one of the, I'm definitely one of the pastors of the church. And so before we sang last week, I, I said, hey, before we start, I want to remind us all in this very thing that we're not here to be served. We're here to give back to God some worship and some offerings and some songs and, and of ourselves. And so had this conversation and it started last week because I was looking for a, a church's phone number and I just Googled it. And then I noticed, and I've seen this before, but for some reason it jumped out at me last week when I Googled it and I found the little church, you know, over on the side, it had their address and phone number and a little picture of, of the map and all. And then there was a place where it was like reviews, like you could review the church. And so I guess every church has this and I just didn't realize it, but apparently Google has it set up where you can leave reviews for churches. And I just thought, how tacky is that? I mean, I guess I understand from a from if you're outside the church looking in, you go, oh, okay, well, let's check this place. But this isn't Yelp, you know? And I yeah. even said that from the stage too. You know, I understand at a restaurant, you could be like, ah, oh, the service was slow, but the food was really good. But that's where we're at now with church too as a culture where we can get on Google and leave a review. You know, I visited first, ba- I visited Cornerstone and the preaching was okay and the music was all right, but they were really friendly. Three out of five stars for Cornerstone. Yeah. And just the fact that we're even in that mentality. I'm so offended a, you only gave us three stars. Well, I've been here. So you it was did an honest visit. Review. You did no. visit. That was your uh, review. You uh, tried to hide. You oh, no. Really let your review out Busted. of the bag. <laughs> so if you go to Cornerstone right now on Google, you'll see. <laughs> <laughs> Three out of five. Yeah. Uh, J H. I was going <laughs> like to say the hand. Oh, what is that? <laughs> Christian Kevin is my <laughs> online. Uh, no, but just the fact that we're at that point where you can leave reviews for a yeah. church, like it's a restaurant, or it says something about our society. It really it? does. And so, so people come to us and they treat church very often like a restaurant, and 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 that's the culture we live in. So you can go. You know, we talk about this all the time, but the restaurants that are like, oh, have it your way. You can go to a restaurant and customize everything about the experience. You can get online and and you can cater your news feed to your taste. Like every single thing is catered to you. And then church is the one place that people show up and we're like, no, this has to be different. Like it's just hard to fight against that battle when everything else in the world is catered to the consumer. So there's this balance that has to be drawn because we do as the church want to reach people and want to reach people for Christ. So um, like, you know, we have a welcome center. We're working on upgrading our welcome center and the way we welcome guests here. But like we joked about last week, we're not meeting them with fresh brownies in the parking lot. But if you're listening and you do that, am I offended that you do? No, I mean, I, I don't really think there's anything particularly wrong with that. I think you can be very welcoming and affirming to guests and really reach out to them and even try to offer goods and services that will make them want to be a part of your church. But once they're a part of your church, I wonder if that's when the switch has to happen that, okay, once you're here, this isn't about you, but you're called to serve so we can reach more people. Like, but you use the word switch. you have switch, a good switch? But that, okay, so is it a bait and switch then? Because there are people who get upset about that. Oh, you know, when I was a visitor, and we've yeah. talked about this yeah. before, when I was a visitor, man, I got a, a goodie bag with a Preacher coffee came cup. came and sat on my couch. They came and visited with, and then I joined the church, and everything changed. So yeah. there is that bait and switch. So Unless there's the communication, maybe. Yeah. You know, uh, unless from the jump. And I, I know that we try to do that here sometimes, and I might have in the past almost been too aggressive on this. I know we've had people visiting, 
And, and I remember one time, and they've never come back, but there was a family visiting, and they were in the hallway after church, and I went up and talked to them. Hey, we're so glad y'all came today. And they were members of another church, but they'd been having some problems. Mm-hmm. And I was like, okay, well, hey, we understand. And, you know, we'd love to have you here, but be honest, if the Lord doesn't want you here, we don't want you here. <laughs> and you said that I, too. Yeah, yeah, I said that, but... It, that really is my heart. Sure. Like if God wants you here, great. But if he doesn't, you need to get back to your church kind of is what yeah. the heart behind that was. And I could see that in sometimes I've said that and I use that phrase a lot when I first got here and people I think liked it. Huh, this is the kind of heart we want, right? right. But that time I could see that they were like, oh, and they never He's, came back. Yeah. So I haven't used that again because I realized that's, you can be the opposite of welcoming, right? You can be the opposite of uh, drawing people in. So what does that, what does that look like? There's a tension there that we have to strike. So, uh, let's, let's maybe kind of paint what a consumer looking church looks like the consumer driven church. And let's not use names. Let's not, because we could, because here's the reality y'all, we all have hints of this in our church. So if we say something that your church is part of this type of activity, know that Jared and I, there's a reason that people call and ask us to preach at things. We have friends that would probably accuse us of being attractional type pastors and preachers. True. You know? Yeah. And I know like I could see it in your eyes. You're like, wait a second. You know, like yeah. my, my flesh wells up and does that same thing. Now, hold on. I'm a Bible preaching, Bible believe, you know, yeah. but, but there's a reason we you're get right. called. So there are probably people out there who say, oh, so these two guys are going to talk about that. So, so just know that, that there are shades of this that we all have to deal with and think about critically. So what does the consumer-driven church look like? Well, let me start with a, a scripture because I, I'm reading... Um, oh, we don't have to do that. Okay. <laughs> right now I'm reading uh, Jared Wilson's The Wonder-Working God. It's a, a book about the miracles of Jesus. And I, yesterday I finished the chapter about uh, when Jesus fed the 5,000 and then in Mark he feeds the 4,000. So there's two separate events. But he talked about that uh, when Jesus fed the 5,000 and then crossed the lake people met him there. And what did they do? They said, hey, give us more bread. And he points out that even Jesus was not immune to the old thing about what you win them with is what you win them to. Yeah. So Jesus fed the crowds and then trying to teach them, I am the bread of life. They said, no, 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 forget all that stuff. We just want more bread. Yeah. And so even 2000 years ago, this was a problem. So when you win people with brownies in the parking lot or prizes in your worship service or you know, big concerts or lights and so, like whatever you win people with, that's what you win them yeah. to. And so I think, you know, I'm thinking of churches in our area that are always, and it seems like we talk about events a lot too, but they're, they're always promoting some big name, some big event, or there's going to be prizes and giveaways and, and lights and smoke and a big show and a big production. And a, it's a big high quality, just those fireworks shows. Um, like, what are you really winning people to? Are you winning them to the the discipleship of the gospel of Jesus? Or are you winning them to entertainment? Yeah, it's it's a tough conversation because I don't really have a problem with those things per se, and it's not because we have them here. I I know we have a lot of listeners who might like just see Cornerstone's web presence and stuff, but like we said last week, Cornerstone's not a lot different than your church. Again, you've been here. Like yeah. we do have. Pretty contemporary worship. We have a gifted worship leader who does a great job. We do have some just basic LED lights shining on the back wall. Yeah, so, but Cornerstone but, is not leaning on. Yes, that's not what y'all yes, are about. Yes. Cornerstone so I, is about discipleship. Yeah, so I'm not being defensive here. Sure. I'm just trying to set up for our listeners to understand that 
because I think, you know, sometimes like we talked about last week, sometimes if you look at the web presence stuff, you could think, wow, that church is, no, we're just a, a church just like yours, most likely, uh, very similar in a lot of ways. But in churches that I do know that do have that set up, I don't really have a problem with that even. Where I think I look the most is at the preaching. And the you music. know, are you preaching the word? Mm-hmm. And then what you are doing with the people who come to Christ. Like, are you actively and intentionally discipling people or are you just looking to get converts? And I think a lot of times if you're satisfied with having a huge church, but no one's being discipled, I think that might be a sign that you're a consumer-driven church, that, that you're all about just getting more people to come watch the show instead of people to participate in the body. I think that might be some of the difference. So consumers versus worshipers. Yeah. A consumer is somebody who literally comes to be entertained or come to participate in an event. And like you said, event earlier, but a worshiper is somebody who comes and literally becomes a part of the body that uses their gifts to serve and be a part. And those are just two very different kind of dynamics. So in that case, it would become then a, a self-solving problem if it let's call it a problem let's just label consumer driven church a problem so that i can say it would become a self-solving problem when discipleship becomes the focus of the church then you have disciples who are there to worship and not there for the show and so that starts from the leadership and so part of what we as leaders have to do is we have to get thick skin so that we're not when, when people leave us a bad review on google oh one out of five stars it doesn't hurt our feelings because instead of trying to cater and win that person back and get a better review, metaphorically speaking, uh, we're, we stay focused on our mission and our mission is to make disciples. And so as you make disciples, you create a culture of people who, you know, look, we'll sing a hymn, we'll sing a new song, whatever. I'm here to worship and give and hear the, the gospel preached and then go out and tell other people. And so it becomes a, the, the solution to the, you get what I'm saying? Yeah. I feel like I'm yeah. convoluting No, the it. solution to the problem becomes discipleship. Yeah. So if if you have a church that's just about consumers and you change that from the top and initiate discipleship, then it will, like you said, solve that problem. But I, I think, so you talked about having thick skin and being immune to those bad reviews. I think we've got to go to the top to us as pastors and ministry leaders and ask, what is our heart? What do we care about the most in our yeah. church? Because if we're not careful, we can very easily care the most about the numbers in the bottom line. I know for me, that's a struggle. Why? Because every single pastor you talk to, for the most part, not everyone, so I can't say everyone, but the vast majority of the time, when people talk about Cornerstone who don't know me, what's the question they're going to ask? What do y'all run? What are are y'all running? What are y'all running? And it's a whooping for me because I tell people and they're like, oh, okay, but I, you know, like we've had this conversation before about the frequency issue. Like I know we have well over 300 active members, people who come at least a couple to three times a month, but we only average probably 250 people on Sunday mornings. So like I try to tell people that and I'm like now 250, but we really have over three, right. you know, because that's such a big deal to people. How many are you running? That seems to be the standard. And that tells people about your church, pastors with each other and other ministry leaders. So in those moments, what's subtly being implied is that the most important thing and the thing you can tell me that tells me the most about you, your ministry, and your church is how many people are there on Sunday morning. Yeah. So as long as that's the criteria, 
man, we're we're going to have issues. I I really enjoy Dr. Chris Moody from First Baptist Beaumont when he talks about discipleship. Something I've always appreciated about Chris, the three or four times that I've interacted with him, he wouldn't know me if I walked up to him now. He might would. He might be like, you're a pastor, right? But uh, he's not going to be like, Rusty, my man, you know? But every time I've talked to him and been like, hey, man, I just want to tell you, hey, thanks for the discipleship conference you did three years ago, or hey, it was great, that conversation we had the other day. The, he asks me every time, so who are you discipling? That's a better question. That's his first question. Yeah. Who are you discipling right now? And it's like, wow, like what, what if that was the standard? What if that was what we asked each other? Like, man, how's ministry going right now? What's, you know, because it doesn't matter how many people you're running. God is like, you might have seen yesterday on um, Facebook, I put a picture of our friend Randy Redkey. Yeah. Pastor of Latexo Baptist Church. Shut up which is, uh, he, he would admit it's not a huge church, but God is doing some crazy things in that yeah. church and stuff that nobody else is going to be like, oh, whoa, wow. But he has like led them to completely redo that building and that facility. They are, that facility is set up for the next several decades. And it's because of his leadership and faithfulness in a situation that, like I said, a lot of other pastors would be like, oh, okay, so how big is that church is right. the first question. Instead, he has moved the ball down the field in an incredible way in a context that was, you know, is never it's a, easy it's to a do tough that. gig. So, so God is doing crazy things. So, you know, maybe the question again shouldn't be, what are you running? So I, I want to just push back on that. And, and maybe just if you're thinking to help us get out of the consumer mentality, because a lot of you are going to be listening and, yep, yep, that's right. Uh-huh. It ain't all about all those things. Yet at the end of the day, you know, are we still trying to get consumers? And I think we need to be bold enough to to help build the culture of worshipers, not consumers. Just say it, you know. Yes, do it and implement discipleship intentionally and do things on purpose that show that you're doing that, but be willing to say it out loud from the pulpit, in the classroom, in the fellowships. Hey, just remind people, put it in front of them. Remember, we're here to worship. We're not here to be we're here to serve, not to be served. I feel like somebody said that. Oh, it was Jesus. Uh, church is not about us. Church is not about the people sitting in the pews. It's about us sitting in the pews to worship Jesus, to to give glory back to him. And so we need to be bold enough to say that out loud in front of people. And is it gonna hurt some people's feelings? And is it gonna get us some bad reviews? And is it gonna maybe cause some people to leave? Yeah, maybe. But we need to be okay with that because if it's not about the numbers, if it's about making disciples, then we have to say some hard things out loud sometimes. And so church is the one place where you don't get to have it your way, where you don't get to customize it to your preferences, where we trust the leadership. Now, it does take some wisdom in the leadership, so leaders, be wise and surround yourself with wise people. But we need to be willing to make the tough calls and say those things out loud too, even though it might hurt some people's feelings. Yeah, I when we talk about the danger of preferences, of course, we started with music earlier. Yeah. Which is it's one always, of the main places yeah. because it seems to be one of the most subjective things we do in church. Like, even though I have had critiques of my messages, for the most part, people don't feel okay walking up to the preacher and being like, eh, it was okay today. Yeah, I wish you would do but, it this way instead. But I hated when I was a music minister that people didn't feel weird, even people who weren't being ugly, who would say, yeah, that one song was a little off. And I would be like, yeah, thanks. That's just what I spent my week working to prepare. Yeah. So thanks for just uh, dismissing it with one comment, which of course, you know, is just me being a sensitive little brat. But 
but it is difficult, right? We don't think of doing that. So as a former music minister and you as a music minister, we've experienced that quite a bit. But what I try to remind people, you talked about saying it, which is such a good nugget. We need to just be able to say that like you did Sunday at your church. But I try to remind people semi-regularly, usually on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights, because this blows people's minds when you say it, even on Wednesday nights and Sunday nights with our small core group, people are like, wait, what? I tell people all the time, there are things about Cornerstone that I don't like and would do differently. And they're like, wait a minute. What? You're the pastor though, right? In fact, you and I have had personal conversations and you would, and Jimmy, you know, like uh, when, when the elders and deacons have shut me down on something. Yeah. Um, and I don't mind saying it on this podcast because this is ministry leaders here. And if a Cornerstone member stumbles upon this, don't think I'm grouching and griping because I've said this in front of the elders and deacons. There are at least two key decisions that I think if they would have followed my leadership in the five years I've been here, our church would be roughly at least 100, 150 people more than we are right now. I really believe that firmly. Nobody will convince me otherwise because I'm a prideful jerk, okay? <laughs> uh, but they they just didn't feel that way. Yeah. And we have a plurality of elders and you may not have that, but you may have deacons or other ministry leaders that kind of are working with you and God didn't show them that same thing. So there are things that we do that that I do not prefer and wish we did not do them. But guess what? Even as the pastor, the church is not about me. Yeah. And it's not about my preferences. So I don't phone those things in. <laughs> like I don't say, all right, I guess we'll do this stupid event y'all want to do, you know, and like just belittle it. <laughs> I don't do that. They don't even, nobody knows what those decisions are outside of the deacons and my couple of friends that I've shared my genius ideas with, right? Um, again, they're, Jared's just being quiet because they weren't that great of ideas, but yeah, I, I would have voted against it too. <laughs> so, uh, but, and you would have been wrong, but it's okay. Uh, so at the end of the day, it's not even about you, ministry leader. It's not even about you, pastor. The church is bigger than us. And this thing is not about any human. This thing is about the Lord. And it's about serving him and worshiping him and everything that we do. I'm just thinking about when Paul said, submit yourselves to one another out of reverence for Christ. It's it's hard to be submissive to your brothers and sisters in Christ when when you're more concerned about what you prefer. Yeah. You, you can't be simultaneously submissive and uh self-centered yeah well uh, i don't like the music i don't like the worship i don't like the whatever so yeah it's just it's tough because we do live in a culture where everything is catered to us and and uh we're becoming more and more self-centered and self-conscious and self-focused all the time and then we have this one hour a week not the podcast but this worship service where we show up and it's it's expected to be different but maybe part of the the carryover is that if we learn to be less preference driven in other areas of our life that it'll spill over into the way we worship too so maybe this is bigger a bigger conversation than just worshipers worshipers worshipers, worshipers. versus consumers vider texas everybody <laughs> and just a bigger conversation about how we're all just a little too selfish yeah everywhere because i mean there's this has applications i'm thinking like at home too yeah let's not go there in, oh, okay well never mind <laughs> no, um but if, if i would just be less self-centered period and just think of myself less i think it would have good application yeah in every area of my life certainly i think we're bringing this to a good place as we kind of wrap this up that because we did just kind of talk about the problem and jumped right in and didn't really talk about the source of the problem but you've kind of hit on that that uh, this is a bigger issue our culture teaches us that it's all about us mm -hmm. and like you said it's a have it your way culture everything is what we want when we want it 
Uh, we're not patient. We're not loving. We're not. It, it's all about goods and services. That's what our world runs on. So if we're not careful, we bring that over here. We bring that into the home. Uh, we bring that into relationships. And not only does it hurt what happens here, but it hurts all the different things in our lives. So we would do well to think of ourselves less and, you know, humble ourselves. Read Love Does by Bob Goff one more time, <laughs> right? There's there's some truth to that. So listen, this has been a good talk. Good episode. Sure. People are going to probably share this widely. This this is going to be the one that breaks this podcast wide open. Well, that's what we want is more numbers. We want more people. It's all about oh, the numbers. But wait. But more noises. We fill yep. into more noises. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, it's man, it's easy to do. Even in these things, you know, we talked about creativity and it's so difficult because the things you do, you want to look at the numbers. And I don't know about you. Well, I know you haven't because you tried logging in and we can't. Yeah, I can't get into that. Jerry account. can't get in. So he doesn't know how many people are listening. And I actually haven't looked. So we don't, it really might just be us talking Jimmy into a microphone. Listening on his way to work. Wes. And Jared's, Wes and Jared's mom trying to find it on the radio. <laughs> she did. She said, that, What time does it come on? <laughs> that that might be only. Does, she count, does that count as a half listen if I your mom's like it. using the seek button in the vehicle? Like, I just, I know they're recording. She's yelling at her radio, <laughs> Siri, find Jared's <laughs> podcast. <laughs> In her 92 oh. Buick. Well, let's just say this. We're, we're glad that any of you are listening, and we're glad to be able to have these conversations. We, uh, we hey, do this for our own edification. As we're figuring it out, too. We're not yeah. experts. Uh, we're, we're just we're having the, the coffee conversations on a microphone. That's, we're just Sorry. trying to figure it out, too. True story. We did talk on the microphones for about five or ten minutes before we started recording. Well, because you were having headphone issues, and then we realized you just didn't turn them on. <laughs> Just turn the volume. Okay, you're this like, is too behind the scenes. This this got too. He was unplugging and replugging and saying, "I just don't know." There's a volume knob that was on zero. That was the issue. Good times. Hey, speaking of good times, Ignite Conference. Ignite Conference. The Sabine Nature's Baptist area. Uh, go to snbarea.org and click on events. I think. And I think should... there's a button that says Ignite. Yeah, and click on that and check it out. Rusty and I will be doing a breakout session on social media in the church. Uh, it's going to be a great conference. There will be four breakout sessions throughout the day that you can go to, or four Dr. times. Richard Blackaby is going to be there. Dr. Blackaby is going to give two talks in the main session. It'll be at Hillcrest Baptist Church in Jasper. Go to snbarea.org. Saturday, and find April seventh. About is the Ignite conference, April seventh. I think so because April first is Sunday. Yeah, it would be the seventh. Yeah, it's going to be super good. Y'all, y'all need to it's come hang out. So it's, good going to be great. We, and we're going to record our session. I talked to Jimmy and confirmed that and he's cool with it. And so, oh, uh, yeah, if you want to be a part of a live episode, that's exactly you what it's going to be. The breakout yeah. session with us. It's, it's going to be really cool. I'll come sit in and you'll be on this thing that you're listening to right now. Could you imagine that? Like, think with me, everybody close your eyes if you're listening okay. and imagine closing my eyes. Jared and Rusty are recording a podcast episode in your presence. You know what? I think I just heard the sound of a dozen people leaving the room and going somewhere else. <laughs> like, like, you know what? That uh, that tax seminar sounded like a really good. One. <laughs> that would be great. I really want to. <laughs> I've already done them, but I just want to know about my taxes. All right. Well, hey, I guess all this left to do is drop the mic. <laughs>